This is a Sports of Business podcast with your host, Tanvir. I interview former elite athletes turned business executives on leading and adapting in a disruptive digital world. On this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Quentin Porter, Vice President of North America for Pico Get Personal and a former NFL and a CFL quarterback. Quentin has been scaling companies and sales teams for 10 years since retiring from football. He played QB at Boston College, where he also completed his MBA. A native of Portland, Maine, he has created a community initiative that maximizes the benefits of athletic training and wellness through a state-of-the-art indoor sports complex and programming in partnerships with local universities. In this episode, Quentin dives into his transition from football to executive within the tech space. He also discusses why during the toughest moments is always only up to us to make it happen. We also dive into how Quentin's morning practices made him a better business leader and why the keep going and pushing mentality will win over talent alone. Quentin also explains why he hires in pairs. If this episode resonates with you, please remember to like, subscribe and share with a friend and leave a review on wherever you get your podcast from. All right, everyone, let's jump in to a very special episode with the one and only Quentin Porter. Welcome, everyone, to Momentum Elite Sports of Business podcast. Today, I have someone on the episode, on the podcast with us that I believe was one of the best quarters that I actually saw live. So I actually saw this person play live at Hamilton. It was actually the older stadium back then, the Ivor Wynn Stadium, not the Tim Hortons Field. Today, we have Quentin Porter, NFL, CFL All-Star and now a very successful business executive. Welcome to the show, Quentin. Awesome. Thank you, Tanvir. Happy to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. Um, you know, it brings back great memories about the Ticats, about Hamilton in general, just a great, you know, era overall, I think, for everyone. Um, what have you been doing since you retired from football, and what are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for asking. So I have been in, you can just call it the tech startup space since playing. Um, it's MarTech and my first company uh, sold into the sports space. So that was kind of a nice little entrance into a big boy job, you know, not playing a game anymore. And now I'm with Pico, which is based out of Israel. And we sell into the sports space as well and, and brands like CPG brands, um, basically running North America, kind of um, customer facing operations here to help us expand into North America. So it's been a, a really fun challenge and enjoying every step of it. That's awesome. How has, um, you know, how's the transition been overall? Do you miss playing football? Do you like the business world? What do you think? Yeah. So, uh, man, of course I miss football always, you know, I've loved that since day one, I would say what I really miss is those moments on the field, right? Those moments mm -hmm. in games where there's a crowd and there's really just no replacement for that experience in the world. I just have to accept that that's the case uh, vicariously through my son. Maybe I can get some of that. Um, there was a lot of other things involved with football at that level that I don't miss so much. And yeah. I am really enjoying watching football as a fan, as opposed to the first few years being done playing. I'm still watching it like home and comparing myself and all that, but can totally enjoy the, the game as a fan. And also just from the business side, I really like the, the flexibility with what I'm able to do and the challenges, totally yeah. different set of challenges. Um, I will also say my body 
is enjoying not being beat up anymore. So that's a, that's a plus. Yeah. I'm sure you got to hit a few times in the backfield, yeah. <laughs> especially the blind side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially because I ended up being the, the kind of running quarterback. I yeah. figured out late in my career that that was, that was an asset of mine. And so I'm running all the time and boom, getting hit in the head. And, um, just like any running back, you know, the, um, the hits are pretty rough. So yeah. right now I'm not getting hit unless it's my son trying to box with me. That's the only time I'm ever getting hit. I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, the level that you play that Quentin, it's, it's a professional job. You know, I think people see all the crowd they see the, the, the craziness that goes on. You know, you come back with a winning drive. This is the stuff that you miss, but I think people don't realize it's a business at the end of the day. Um, how has that business that you've, you know, been a part of on the football field, how does that translate over into the business side of actually doing business for tech startup? I'm sure there's some similarity that you've seen. Yeah, and there's a lot that we can get into in terms of, you know, um, uh, strategies and just uh, various things that I've learned that align. But just from a business standpoint, one of the things that particularly in the startup space, as opposed to going to some, you know, big company, is that it's up to us and us, our small little team with each of our roles to make this thing happen. If we don't, it's not going to happen. We're going to have to find another job because the company won't exist. And I actually love that challenge. It's, you know, when we were on the field to go try to score touchdowns or the defense is on there to try to stop them, it's those guys on the field. You know, we get in the, in the huddle 11 or 12, you know, depending on the, the, the league, yeah. people in the huddle can look at each other and say, it's up to us to go win this game. The coaches can't do anything for us here. Um, same with a startup company is sure we can, we can have our um, various things. We try to meet um, quarterly in terms of goals and, you know, these processes that we really hope to put in place and scale. But at the end of the day, on a daily basis, you've got to do your job and we've got to do it well. And that's how the company is going to work. And I kind of love that. I kind of like that we can take real ownership of the future of the company. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, when you are down or I remember when I was playing, you know, we'd be on our one yard line. And uh, it'd be, uh, you know, the, the, the finals or the Yates Cup game. And if they score, you lose. And there's nobody yeah. gonna, nobody's going to come help you out. It's, it's the guys yeah. beside you. And you just got just to dig your heels in and make sure they don't cross the line, right? And, and I think what you bring is a very good point for business, Quinton, because I think, you know, I've, I work for some really great companies. And now I'm working for, you know, my company, which is a small company. We're kind of growing. And it's a lot easier to get by at a larger company because you got a lot of other people, systems, processes, somebody's going to help you out. But when you are doing your something yourself, you're growing something from the ground up. Uh, nobody's going to come and help you out. You just, you just got to hunker down. And yeah. that's the beauty of it, right? Yeah, it absolutely is. And that makes it even more special when you do start to grow and you mm -hmm. start to see success that you can own that as opposed to, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to get my, salary or whatever i'm just going to try to check check some things off um this is more of a journey in a career than it is a like a, a job that i have at the moment yeah so i'm curious to know how did you growing up playing football in college how did all of those experiences shape your values today that you bring over to the business side how did it all start for you so it all started i mean from the beginning i knew i wanted to play football in the nfl or basketball i was kind of in love with both but um it was always in my mind and I, I somewhere along the way, and this was probably a lot of some implement um, sort of things that were told to me from my dad is that 
like if I work harder than anyone else, let's just say physicality being and like talent being yeah. equal, um, which you can't really control a lot of that. Um, you can control how much you put into it and how much you work and work, you know, the right way, not just, you know, do a bunch of things that don't matter. Um, that became clear to me at a really early age, luckily. And I, I can give a lot of credit to my father there. Um, but I was waking up before school and training every day. I needed to know I had done something that was more than the kids that are going to practice after school. Yeah. So I would be training in the morning, then go to school, go to practice and know at the end of the day, every day, I'm, I'm actually putting in more than every kid around me. And so that, I, you know, I think had a large part into um, how I was able to go on to the next levels. It translates here. You know, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm not getting up and training per se, but I am getting up early to day set up and and you know what do I have to do that are sort of tasks and set day that make my day go much more easy and I can probably assume a lot of our competitors people at other companies in the space you know aren't necessarily doing that and that's what helps me just think like I think this is going to help us get ahead at least I know I can control that yeah um, so I would say that's probably the biggest thing and then the the sort of tough skin mentality of sports where right away you are told it's clear to everybody whether you did well or not you know whether it's that play or the game you know um, in business it's like typically a quarterly review or an annual did we meet our goals you know um, it's much different so I think that hyper focus on how I'm doing every single day and do I need to fix it or do I need to keep going with what I'm going and fix that now because in, in yeah. football all eyes were on you coaches are watching your film over and over calling you out in front of the team, you know, and not just calling you out like nicely, like, Hey, it would be better if you were to do this. It's like, no, you, you're getting called out. And so that, that type of thing and not getting beat up over that, but just like, okay, what is, what are they saying? And what do I have to do better? Like, let's fix this now has really helped here, especially in this like fast paced startup place, right? I'll have a call. I'm like, dang, that didn't go well. I'll review it. How do I fix that now? I don't, I'm not waiting for my quarterly review. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I'd say those are kind of two of the bigger ones. Yeah. How how do you, and you know what, you're the second person in the second week in a row that said the exact same thing. The other person on the podcast was uh, Anya Foley, who was also a national French volleyball player. And she said this exact same thing that when she played volleyball at that elite level, she got feedback right away. If she missed a shot, yeah. Or if she didn't do well, she knew that she messed up. And when she transitioned to business, exact same thing that you said, there's no feedback. You don't know how you're doing. You don't know how your team's doing. So what is it that you do, Quinton? Very curious to know on a daily basis, on an annual basis, or a quarterly basis, where you actually seek feedback so you can continue getting better. So in my case, I don't necessarily have like a direct report or, or boss. Um, I communicate with our headquarters over in Israel, but I really kind of have to own that myself here. Hmm. So I'm doing it myself. I'm, I just want to make sure that literally every day at the end of the day, I can say I've, I've progressed forward. I might not have closed a new deal or renewed some new client um, that day, but I've done something that's gotten me closer to some goals I've set. And I'm looking at that very closely myself. So to answer your question, I, I'd have to kind of own that. Um, as we close our series a round and we're, we're building a team yep. around me, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to have each of our employees and the ones I work with that are currently over in Israel and making sure that they own that. Right. And from a, from a top down perspective, it's mm -hmm. more about how can I enable you to help you do what you know you need to do. But I kind of want to use that sports mentality of you have to own it yourself, man, because yeah. a coach can tell a player to do this or that thing. But if the player doesn't actually own that and say, okay, I've got to fix that 
they aren't going to fix it, right? So same thing here in business. It's a more about enabling and empowering mm-hmm. and then offering how to help on that than it is sort of demanding a certain thing, you know, based on some sort of number sections and then, yeah. you know, hoping they live. Yeah. Do you, you've seen it firsthand with your career that if you put in the work, talent being equal, you do the right things, you prioritize the right things, you will get ahead. You've been the NFL, the CFL. Do you also believe the same principle is true in business? Yeah, hundred percent. I think talent in business is a little bit of a different, a little bit of a tougher thing to see immediately as, as, as it would be a sports field or court. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're going to have certain people who can, they can talk the talk and they can sell and they've got this charisma. Um, you've got some people who maybe aren't as talented, you know, but at the end of the day, if they're putting in the extra time or really care enough, you know, maybe it's a little bit on the weekend, whatever it is, something more than the nine to five. I, I just firmly believe that's just like a world of difference. And also the, that sort of keep going and pushing mentality. I think there's startups that have become big companies now that, you know, a successful startup, those, a lot of them just kept pushing. It's not like they out and had some amazing idea and some crazy talented people and they just boom and went, man, they're getting beat up. It's looking bleak at times and they just keep pushing. You got to believe and just keep going. And that sort of like short memory, let's move forward no matter what, um, I think translates so well too. Yeah. Every, every idea seems, uh, it seems like, you know, common sense until somebody just, when somebody does it, like what, this, yeah. this, is, this is just, you know, okay, Uber, all right, order text from your phone. That was common sense, but nobody did it. Or people that tried it, they weren't persistent enough. They weren't tenacious enough to keep going. Um, yeah. So I think, I think what you're saying is really that, you know, it doesn't matter what the idea is. It doesn't matter what the product is. If you have the right mentality, the right people, the right team, consistently pushing, you will find a way to make it work. It might not be what you started off with, but you will consistently with feedback, maybe a shift your product, maybe shift your positioning a bit and it'll work. Um, so I think people do that's sometimes you're really close and we just stop because yeah. we're like, it's not going to work, but maybe you were right there. The door was right there. Uh, so I love, I love what you said there. Awesome. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people can pick their strategy, pick their plan. This is the idea. It's going to work, go, and then mm. it doesn't work perfectly as planned. And then they, and it's like goes off the rails. Right. But man, it's a constant iteration and reiteration yeah. of the key thing is be very honest about yourself, right? Like you can hold on to some certain value proposition or some certain strategy or um, industry you're trying to go into. um, Or you can just honestly, uh, regularly, honestly look at yourself and say like, is it time for a shift? Like we believe enough in what we're doing. There might need to be a shift. That's how we do it. Doesn't matter. Right. Um, You have to be like uh, very humble and willing to change. Yeah. How do you, uh, I think this is going to be a great point for many folks who are stuck in the situation right now, Quentin. How do you actually separate yourself from what you've been working so hard on? As a quarterback, you know, you, you, maybe you had a bad game and you go called out in front of the entire offense. How do, you, how do you separate yourself as a person from the results so you can have a short memory? And how do you adjust objectively? Because a lot of, even for me, it's hard because it's like, I worked on it so hard. You know, this is a reflection of me it becomes tough. Yeah. So what do you do? What can others do? That's a good question. And I've been on both sides of that. So definitely early in my football career, 
I was so tied to the outcome of my career, which was dependent on how I was performing on the field, that like my identity, my actual identity was tied to that, that if I lost the game or I got taken out, you know, replaced by another quarterback, it was like dying. It was like I had died or someone close to me had died, right? But after a while, especially after getting older, having a kid, you know, perspectives changing, a lot of things sort of, um, I guess you could say like self-reflective and spiritually kind of broke open some things where I realized, holy cow, I'm actually not that. Um, This story of me as a football player is just something that's a story that's kind of just happening now. It's something that my the energy of what I am is doing right now. Um, there's a lot more to life, right? And with any company we're with, anything that's going, you want to dedicate yourself fully in the moment, um, at, like you would dedicate yourself to winning a game. But at the end of the day, your identity is much bigger than that. The story of you is going to be much bigger than that. This is like sort of one chapter, one role you're playing. And once that, once I figured that out, I started to play the best football ever when I had sort of given up. Like, it'd be great. I want, I'm going to give it my best, but if we lose, like, it's all right. Who actually cares at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. And so really at the end of the day, as long as you're able to live or, you know, and, and, you know, can put yourself in any role going down, going into the future, if the company doesn't work, it's not death, you know, we don't have, like you'll figure it out. Right. So um, removing yourself from it, I think is at the end of the day, just knowing it's going to be all right. And this is just a role that you're playing now. And that actually frees you to be better in that role than before when you're, when you're gripping really tight, Exactly. And you're, you're like, I need to fail. We need this deal. When you need the deal, the people on the other side can hear that. And it comes across, you're, you sound so desperate. desperate. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, it gets better when you're like, yeah, I mean, this is what we do. We do it with all sorts of people. If you want to, you know, get better with your data strategy, then we'd love to have you on board. And if not, cool too, right? Yeah. We're just having a conversation, telling you what we do. We believe in it. Um, same thing when I was playing ball and that I had sort of freed up is like, man, I'm, I want to beat this team. I know the strategy. We're going to go with our plays. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't happen, tomorrow's another day. My son will be, you know, my son and my daughters will be there. It's going to be yeah. fine. And that's when I played the best of my career. I think you also mentioned a lot about having gratitude. You know, your family's there. You're waking up every single day. You're not, you're alive. There's a lot of other stuff you can do yeah. in the world. If this it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean it's, it's, you are bad. It just means this didn't work out. Learn from it and move forward. Um, when I look back to my, my first two years in university, I was also fixated on, you know, I was always kind of the, the best at what I did in high school. And then I'm like, first year, I want to start. I went in, I, I played some games, but I was so fixated on, you know, having a great season, having a great second year that I want to go to the CFL. That actually hurt me because I was so scared to try things to just let myself go. I actually didn't play well. At the end of my second year, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm doing business in school. Most CFL careers are two years. You know, if I make it great, but I'm here to do the best I can and also enjoy what I do. The moment I started thinking that way, my career completely changed. You know, it was, it was night and day. And it was just a mental shift. In my, I didn't get yeah. better overnight. It was just m- mentally I was holding myself back because I was afraid of, I was so afraid. Of, I wanted to make it so, you know, the, the goal was so high that I'm like, holy shit, if I don't make it, what's going to happen? And that impacted my performance. And I think that's yeah. a lot of people actually go through that in business as well. So, you know, I think your point is reminded me of, of that. And it's true. Um, so just, just, you know, I think advice for everyone watching, listening, what Quinton said is really, really strong. It, it works. So if you are stuck somewhere, 
If you are really trying hard to do something and make it or break it, just take a step back. It's not the end of the world. And you'll be surprised at how well you can execute versus being so fixated on something and worrying about failing. And any goals, anything that we want to have happen in the future, it's really important to set those. But there's they're nothing without what happens in any given moment, at every given moment. Yeah. And it's always this moment, right? We can get into the whole like the power of now and all that, but really it is true. All that there is, is, is what's happening right now. So you need to take care of that in order to get to your goals. Mm-hmm. So this is primary. The goal is a, a place you're pointing yourself or aiming towards. But when you're like for you, you put it all in that. So then you had so much energy tied up in this idea of going to the CFL in the future that there wasn't as much left of you to deal yeah. with what you needed to do now. <laughs> so same thing applies here, man. Like I, I want us to become, you know, hit our um, million ARR mark and I'm dying to do that. But if I'm gripping onto that, then I'm going to need every deal. And then every deal I'm, I'm so clinched up about this idea of where we need to get. Yeah. Instead, it's like, Oh, that's where I'm going. And the, the, fir- the only way we're going to get there starts with this meeting I'm about to have right now that I'm having right now. So let's just chill. Let's just be here in this. Yeah. And then it starts to fall. Fine. Yeah. How do you, how do you, um, you're going to get a, you're going to build a great team. You guys are doing some great things, Quentin. How do you bring some of the softer skills that you've learned on the field into your business? How do you get the team around you to work on the same mission as you? What are some things you've done? What are some things you've seen translate well from the field of football? Yeah, I think a big, a big one is that sort of empowerment piece. So like just making sure and our CEO, like working with him to make sure that we're, keeping this is like, what is, what's the actual vision and the journey? What is our identity as a company? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of number one into this, you know, everyone's got other things in their life, but while you're working, you're a part of a company, a, a bigger journey. So your, your, your role, your task for that day, that week, that month is only in a context of what this entire group of right now, it's, you know, 20 people with this vision in mind. So first you have to make sure that that vision is really clear. Like, why do we exist as a company? Where do we want to get to? And everything that happens from there as a team is all about like everything you do is, is a, a um, you know, a part of that whole overall journey. And then I would say like keep making sure too that they know things don't go as planned, right? The sort of tough skin mentality, like there's going to be bumps, it's going to be, you know, whatever. And that, that keeps them at having them in the vision of the journey, keeps them able to roll past those things. So a lot of, I've been in companies or at least my first company, there was times where, you know, people get discouraged and, they feel bad because they lost this deal or we lost this client, um, some sort of like internal process broke down and it becomes this big internal fire. I find that those don't happen as much if we're just all keeping that journey, that vision in mind and knowing from the start, this isn't going to be easy. So the things that come up are expected, right? On to the next thing. Like we'll, we'll work on that. We're working on it together. And on to the next thing, I think is kind of a, a, a yeah. major thing from the all from the sports world that here is has just been helping a lot yeah definitely morale wise at least absolutely and and to be able to go to the next play you also need the right mentality in your team so how do you hire people is there something you look for particularly in people so that's interesting i love hiring it's one of my favorite building a team is one of my favorite things and for me honestly i barely even read their resume if they reached out or i found them somehow connected to them and I, I look at the resume, I'm like, okay, they did that and that. Okay, cool. I might ask a question just about a certain company or something, but I don't really care about that. While I'm having the conversation, there's some feeling that I get. And I've gotten the feeling where I'm like, yes. And I've gotten the feeling where I'm like, mm, not, not quite sure. 
everything else that's happening in that little interview or that process actually for me is just kind of like secondary. And when I've gone with that gut feeling with people, they've always tended to work out much better. I also hire in pairs because if neither of them work out, then this we need to figure out something for that role. The company needs to figure something out. If one of them works out, great. We're going to go with that one and we're going to figure out what was right about that one. If they both work out, then great. We're happy. Um, but if it's just one person, you never quite know. And you're like, oh, was it us? Was it them? Like, I don't know working. Um, so trying to hire in pairs was something I learned that has always worked well. That's so smart. That is so smart. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, you know what? You can't, you, it gives you data. It gives you feedback right away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, pick, pick based on gut, a gut feeling, you know, whatever. There's, there's some sort of a feeling or, you know, that they'll probably pass to the, the rest of the company and to clients and, and then doing it in pairs, I think would be my two lessons. Yeah. I wish I could have hired in football, man. If I had, if I was a part of the drafting and free agency signing, maybe, <laughs> maybe we better. Maybe we could have won a breakup. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's always funny, right? The, the, the people sometimes, and this is a great point. Sometimes you have to work with who you have on the team. You can't mm -hmm. always, always pick and choose. You can't always make, make changes. Um, and, and you've been, you've been through that probably more than anybody else on the NFL, the CFL. How do you how do you handle players? How do you handle teammates that everybody knows shouldn't be there? They're not great for the locker room, but you still got to work with them. How do you handle that? That is hard. I can't say I I could I could have totally figured that out. Honestly, Belichick, Bill Belichick would yeah. be the one to to keep <laughs> from that. Yeah, I think that it's it's really that back to the team is what matters, man. Yeah. And we're together. If there's whether it's a, a particular ego type guy or maybe his skills just aren't there together as a team we can bring him up or we can bring him down to earth whatever sort of needed naturally as long as the overall vision and ethos of the team is primary over any of the individuals from like a skills point if someone wasn't supposed to be on the field that was more about um just helping to build confidence like I used to have to pull guys aside, look them in the eye and be like, you're here because you belong here. So don't question it. Don't, who cares what anyone else has said? You've got this game to prove yourself again. Prove it now. Let's go. What are you going to do? Cry and worry? Oh, man, let's, let's go. You're here because you're supposed to be here. So I would always try to build people up. I, I know some quarterbacks would um, kind of get on guys and this and that. So I, maybe a little bit of that, but more I like to try to build them up yeah. and sort of help pull them along with my – you know, having fun, good attitude, have some confidence. That was always when I played my best. And um, sometimes if a guy feels like he's not supposed to be there or, or that's some sort of a narrative, then it can become self-fulfilling. So just try to snap him out of it. And the, the point you bring that is so that is so big right now, Quentin, is that if the moment someone believes they shouldn't be there and if the teammates around this person start to actually push this person down, it's only going to hurt your team. At the end of the day, if, if you, you're right, you're the vision, the mission, and if you are not bringing people up around you, they're on your team, guess who's going to suffer? Everybody's going to suffer at the end of the day. Yeah. And unfortunately, in the corporate world, this is common because yeah. the camaraderie that you have on the football field is, does not always translate to the business world. Sometimes you have silos, there are different goals. Um, what can people do or what have you done in the business world where you do have someone that isn't really pulling their weight? Uh, how can you maybe bring this person up? From a high level, from the, from the whole company, it starts with not pointing fingers. You'll see that all the time. Something happens and it was his fault. It's your fault, whatever. 
sure, we can get to the bottom of where certain things that people had done in that particular context could be better. And we want to look at that, but we want to talk about that from a process standpoint, not that individual. And anybody who starts pointing fingers, they're just not pointing at themselves, right? They're not like, sure, maybe that person made a mistake here or there, but what could I have done differently is number one. And then when you, when the feedback is given to that person, it's given to that person from, Hey, here's maybe where process broke down. Here's what I probably could have done to help you. Here's what I'm going to help going forward. So it's not like, Hey, you did wrong. And if you do that again, you're going to lose your job type thing. The person's just going to tighten up and they're going to get worried. They're going to look for other jobs, right? You start with that high level vision and you say from a company standpoint, here's a little, here's a little issue that we had, right? This is like a good opportunity for us to fix a process here, as opposed to it being about that person. You had to build a a safe environment. Uh, It starts with leadership at the top. Absolutely. How, so you, are you doing some great things at, at Pico? Um, you guys are growing, you know, you're going to get some, uh, last time we spoke, Series A funding, you're the close, which is yeah. exciting stuff. Um, for everybody watching, listening, what do you guys do? How can people connect? And what are the future plans that, you know, you're all pushing hard on this mission for? Thank you. Yeah. Anyone that has an, an online audience. So, of course, we started with sports teams and leagues, but brands, um, any company that's, you know, building or has an online audience of people to engage, which is basically everybody. It turns out more, somewhere around 80 to 90% of that audience is unknown to that company, to that team in terms of a a, a customer record, the ability to directly communicate back with them. So if you think about that, you're really only marketing and, and, and communicating with a small fraction of your actual existing audience. They're your audiences, but Facebook owns the data, Google, Twitter, Instagram, they own the data on these people. And then you pay them to hopefully drive some sort of a conversion. So what we do is we run these fun little gamifications natively integrated and instantly as a customer record, you can communicate right back to them one-to-one with personalized content. And so it's a fun thing for the consumer, really great tie-in to digital content that you're already doing and you own the data, you own the ability to directly target back to them. So at the end of the day, like the lifetime value of an existing person in your audience and your, in your customer base becomes much more valuable now that you know them and you own the data. That's Pico. That's amazing. And, and your, your cost of acquisition goes down over time. Uh, you got to spend less on marketing. Yeah. It's very similar to, so I was in the restaurant industry before, the third-party delivery. Um, yeah, you're selling more food through third-party, but you have no idea who your customers are. And yeah. there's a shift to bring them back to your own digital channel. So I think this is, this is huge, especially where yeah. everything you're doing in marketing, I think a lot of the spend right now for digital is on third-party platforms, Google, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, so this is genius. So that's, great, what, great. that's what attracted me to yeah. Pico. Yeah, it's, it's an actual real paradigm shift with a really straightforward solution to it. And that that idea attracts me, right? We're not just a, a widget or some, yeah. some little company that's make a bunch of money. Like we're literally changing the game when it comes to digital content, digital engagement and the value. Absolutely. And and I think you guys are well positioned because this is where the future is going to go. It's going to get harder. It's going to get more expensive to get clients, to get customers and getting your own data. I think that is, that's a new oil. So that's, that's amazing. Congrats uh, on such a strong, strong starting and uh, all the best with the funding and uh, can't wait to get you back on the podcast again. Thanks so much. I just want to say, if the, you know, if the Canadian audience is here, the CFL audience, I so appreciate that league, everybody involved in it. Canadians in general, you guys are great. I'm from Maine, so I'm sort of almost a Canadian, but 
man, uh, I miss it and wouldn't change it for the world. It was an amazing five, six years of my life. That's awesome. We, uh, we miss you. It was, uh, well, we'll, uh, you know, we'll back. come back anytime. Let's go to a game together. Yeah. Hi, cats. Sounds good. Thanks Sounds a lot, Quinter. Pleasure.